Thank you, church. Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. Gosh, this series has been just incredible, and this book is changing lives left and right, mostly right. Swipe right. (laughs) Um, But I just want to take a moment, and I just want to, um, all of us, just thank my husband for his courage and his bravery to write this book. This is a subject that a lot of churches don't talk about, and it's something that is important to us ever since when we got married um, almost 13 years ago, we started this event called the O2 Experience, and it was all about this idea of the the life and death power of sex and romance, and so um, this book has 13 years, and obviously our lives before that, but um, Everything that we would do with O2 Experience is just in, a, it's in one place. It's in a book. And so it's so special and so powerful because um, it's a resource that we can give people. And we don't have to put on a whole event just for them. And my husband, as he's told you, lost his voice multiple times trying to, to teach the content um, from this book. But now it's here. Um, it's here now. And I just love so much the heart behind all of this and his heart as he wrote it that... Um, it's for us um, helping people see their calling as precious and powerful and, um, and seeing how our sex lives are directly related to that. I think sometimes maybe we think um, my calling doesn't have anything to do with um, my sex life and when what I do, um, but it has everything to do with that because we know that um, it's powerful, and God uses us when we're um, following the plan that he has for us. And just like we learned last week, um, there's hope for us. So no matter where you've been, what your past looks like, what you've done, um, there's, there's hope for each and every one of us um, to swipe right. And so um, one thing that I just want to encourage you in is I believe that this is something that we should read every year. And I think sometimes maybe we think, oh, we make a decision to do something um, once and then we don't ever really have to think about it. But that isn't really how it is with anything in our lives. When we, when we get married, we say I do, but then we do the work every day to, to continue to say I do. Or when we decide to, to work out and to um, get healthy and in shape, we make that decision but if we aren't going to do the hard work in actually getting up early and going to the gym and eating right, then it's that decision that we made doesn't mean anything. And so um, the point is that we decide, Lord, I want to honor you um, and with my love life. But you're walking in that decision every day. And one thing that's cool, if you get your own copy, is there's a little section in the back. Um, when we would do O2 experiences, we would have a little card for, um, for people to sign that would say, hey, I want to commit to living a life and standing for strength and honor. So there's a part where you can sign it, and, um, and it's just special to be able to make that commitment, but then live it and walk it. And, um, and honestly, I just wanted to share a few stories of life change, because I know you guys don't all hear the ones that come in. We get emails, we get letters, we get Instagram posts, we get um, people coming up to us in tears saying, thank you for writing something that is helping me. Um, And so I just wanted to share a few of them, because there's a lot. So this is one that um, 
made me cry when I read it because it's just so sweet and so powerful. This is from a woman in Knoxville, Tennessee, and she said, I just, I first heard Levi Lesko preach at Elevation. With spring break coming up, I felt led to surprise my boyfriend of one year with Swipe Right to read together over the break. He was not the most enthused about it. Reading is not his absolute favorite, haha. We ended up reading it out loud in the car together, taking turns throughout the chapters on the couch, and every single time enjoyed it so much. After reading, finishing, after reading, finishing Red Bull at bedtime, we both felt convicted to have a conversation. What we had, what we had been doing together, though it was not sex, was really just pretending we were having sex. We had such a blunt conversation about it uh, that the Lord used swipe right to convict our hearts to and set new boundaries that we believe will protect both of our hearts so much better. We even chose a new safe word if things get too much, like hot and heavy, Um, and it's pineapple. And I love that. That's such a good idea. You just, things get heavy, pineapple. You just put your hands behind your back. Or run away. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And um, it never would have happened without every single person that made it possible, which is you, Fresh Life Church. We're, We're in this together. We're doing it together. Thank you. And I just love, I just got, when I read this, um, I just got this picture in my mind. I don't know if any of you rock climb. Um, I am not like a proficient, awesome rock climber, but I just got this picture in my mind of how you need footholds and you need handholds to make it to the top and to make um, progress. And I just love that we're giving us as a church, but also people all across the states and all across the world, just these practical handholds and footholds to be able just to make progress in their walk with the Lord. And it's beautiful. Um, There's a story from Instagram. It's short and sweet, but this guy said, thank you for being obedient and writing it. In my whole life, I've only finished reading two books, and Swipe Right is one of them. Good job. It's a life changer full of hope and encouragement. And my husband said that my endorsement was the best, but I really loved these two so much. Chris Tomlin said, this is more than just a book. It's a life jacket. And Max Lucado said... I wish this book had been around in 1970. I wish someone had handed it to a 15-year-old kid in West Texas. I wish someone had said to him, Lucado, quit listening to the locker room lectures on sex. Listen to what God says. The book wasn't around back then, but it is here today. And Levi Lesko has a good word, not just for 15-year-old boys, but for all of us to suffer the consequences of a sex-saturated society. This is a good book. Study it. Ponder it, and if you know a 15-year-old, tell them to read it. So all this to say is I am just, I am so incredibly thankful, um, first of all, for my husband, but just to be a part of a church um, where we're helping people, where we're we're advancing the kingdom in practical, amazing ways. And so um, praise God. It's amazing. God is so good. And today, I want to talk to every single one of you, no matter what season of life you're in, um, all across our church in Montana and Salt Lake City and network sites and online and TV. And um, I want to talk about becoming the one. And that's my title this week. And if you're taking notes, becoming the one. I think so often we fixate on finding the right one when we're single 
And then we worry if we actually did find the right one when we found the right one. We, when, when we fall into trials and dis- difficulties and issues and frustrations, then that's the point where we're asking, oh gosh, I don't know if this is the right one. And so we worry about that. But um, one thing that we learn in Swipe Right is that we must focus on who we are becoming and the issues in our own hearts. Um, Pastor Andy Stanley likes to ask, are you the person, the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you the person, the person you're looking for is looking for? And I love that so much. And it's so important for all of us in our relationships. It's so easy to blame others or our spouse um, for the attitudes and actions and and for their failures, and we can easily put the blame on them and put the focus on them um, for not being the one that God's called them to be. Um, But we must be looking inward, focusing on who we are and who we are becoming. Um, And we must be more concerned with our own hearts before God. Otherwise, the storms of life, difficulties, hard things we come in contact with, um, difficult relationships, um, those things will take us out because we weren't standing firmly on the rock of Jesus and that integrity that should be in our own hearts wasn't there. And so let's look at becoming the one. And our number one point is in the field. Becoming the one in the field. And I'm talking specifically about becoming the one in singleness, in your single years. We see this beautifully portrayed um, with Isaac and Rebecca's story in the Bible. And in Genesis 24, we just catch this glimpse of God being the one to bring a man and a woman together. And um, it says, Genesis 24, Isaac went out in the field one evening. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? So Abraham, the father of faith in the Bible, he is Isaac's dad. And he sent his servant to go find a wife for Isaac. Um, I would suggest to you and encourage you to read chapter 24 this week because it's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And um, you just see um, God's faithfulness in it. But um, what I love so much, so when you read it, actually, you're going to find that a lot of prayer and a lot of seeking God was involved in this matchmaking process. But the amazing thing and the funny thing is that Isaac and Rebecca actually had nothing to do with it. They were each just doing their own thing. And the servant had the task to ask God and pray to God and say, God, help me find this woman. This seems impossible. Um, but Isaac and Rebecca, they were busy working. They, they weren't trying to find the right one. They weren't trying to put their best foot forward and put themselves out there. Like they were just working. Isaac was working in the field and Rebecca was busy serving. One of her jobs was carrying water to, from a well to people and, and letting people drink and camels drink, as you will find in the story also. She served with all her heart, and I, and I love her example as you read it. Uh, she's a godly, hardworking woman, and um, God brought them together. 
And I just think, let it be said of all of us who are single, who is that man in the field? Who is that woman in the field? May we be busy working the field and not working playing the field. Um, We must not focus, in the book it says, we must not focus on playing the dating game, but on reaching the world. Um, Levi mentioned that he and I met in the field. We fell in love in the field. We've continued in the field. We're raising our girls in the field. Um, But what does that even mean? Maybe some of you are like, what the heck is in the field mean? That sounds so weird and hippie-ish. But John 4.35 says, Jesus said to his disciples, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So what that means is we met in church. We met doing what God asked us to do. And at that point in our lives, it was loving God and it was loving people and it was reaching the world. And guess what? That's still what we're doing. We're loving God, we're loving people, and we're reaching the world. So that is um, meeting in the field and Falling in love in the field, that's the field, is doing what God has called you to do. And um, the awesome thing is that when you're busy working hard, when you're busy uh, serving God, uh, you're not even really going to be aware of what's happening around you. Um, If you're loving where God has planted you and what you're doing, um, suddenly you'll just be working hard with your head down, doing what God's called you to do, and all of a sudden you look up, and there's a person there doing the same thing, and they, they're cute, and they're, they love Jesus. And then we're like, hey, we should do this together. That's the best way. I remember vividly um, one of the first times. Well, I think this was the first time. Maybe, no, it wasn't. Well, it was the first time that we, like, I think noticed each other. Um, first of all, we met because I was in an internship, and internships are amazing, and I just want to f- take a moment and say, you never know what God will do with a, a small step of obedience, and um, hashtag Fresh Life Interns, just saying. So we were serving in ministry together, and on this particular day, we were setting up chairs, which we would do often because in the room that we met in, uh, we had to set up chairs. We didn't have automatic chairs. I know in some of our campuses, we set up chairs, Um, but we were setting up chairs, and he said, for him, this was the moment where he noticed me. And um, later on, I thought to, I remember thinking to myself, I could just see myself growing old with him. And isn't that so random? But it's kind of cool. Um, but um, so we were setting up chairs. And I honestly, I feel like God must have like put a special lens on his eyes. Because I was just, like, I didn't really care what I wore. I, I don't even... I probably didn't even like wear makeup or anything. Like I wasn't like attractive, um, but I just feel like God just probably like put the spotlight on me to him and was like, there she is. Um, because there wasn't much to look at at that point in my life. (laughs) But the thing is, is that we met serving Jesus and this is the best way to meet everyone. Um, what other way how, how else are you going to meet someone who is faithfully serving Jesus and who loves God and who's going to take care of you? Um, and honestly, I feel like this takes the pressure off of us because we're not like trying to like, oh, I wonder, oh, that guy with his hand up, he doesn't have a ring on. I wonder if he's like, we're not trying to figure out and, and, and play the field. 
And I love this because we just let God be good at being God. And he's our perfect father. And he knows us. And he knows the other person. And he knows who we're going to be, he's going to match us up with. And I just love that. And I think sometimes we put our hands, we try to get help God out, and then we end up making a mess of things. And relationships are already messy. They're already hard. But let's just let God be God. He knows best. He's our perfect father. But in order for this to happen, we need to be tending to our own souls. We need to be tending to our own hearts. Yes, it's important for us to work in the field and to be serving Jesus. But more importantly, we must be cultivating a soul that loves and honors God first. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. Um, But Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. This verse is talking specifically about clothing and food and shelter, but that's God's heart for us in all of life, that we would put him first and seek him first and let him take care of things that we really don't need to be worrying about. And I just wanted to share in just an example from my own life um, of something of this. Like, ever since I was in preschool, I've always needed... um, to either like a guy or be liked by a guy. I remember in kindergarten, there was a boy that I liked and I think liked me. Then there was in kindergarten, uh, there was a boy that I liked. Then in first grade, and seriously, almost every year, it was like a different, maybe some of them were the same. I don't remember, but I just know that there was um, something inside me that just needed that affirmation and that attention. And I grew up in a Christian home, but it's almost like looking back, I see that God was like, no, I want to feel that. I want to feel that. I want to feel that. All throughout my life, and it's crazy that it started so early. But I think what we need to remember is that it's not bad to be attracted to someone, but we must be careful how we're depending on people to do what only God can do. And that need in me was a desire to be loved and cherished, which is a good thing. But Jesus is the only one who can meet this specific need. Um, I'm so thankful that when I was 10, my mom took me to this conference for girls. um, And basically, it was this purity conference. And they were like, you are loved and save save sex for your husband. And um, I didn't know, like, everything that that entailed, but I knew that I wanted God's best for my life. And I knew that I wanted to make a commitment to honor him and, um, and love him and, um, and save myself for my husband, even though I didn't know who he was. And marriage seemed so far away at that point too. Um, and at that point, I did continue to have boyfriends and like boys and, um, And praise God, I was in relationships that weren't sinful, but they just weren't helpful. I look back and I'm like, I just wish I was like hanging out more with friends that were girls and not so worried and focused on what um, people thought of me and and if this boy liked me or not. Um, I did honor this commitment to save sex for marriage. Thank you, Jesus. But I did give my heart away multiple times. And looking back, I do regret how much I looked to boys um, to give me what my heart longed for, which was the love and adoration that comes from the Lord. Um, and actually, the, the funny thing about this is once I stopped like looking and, and, and wanting that, I mean, I always wanted that, but once I stopped looking and made a decision is when I met my husband. So when I, um, when I moved to Albuquerque, I did this internship, like I said, and um, 
one of the commitments that I made, decisions in my heart, was I wasn't going to date for a whole year. This whole, the whole year of the internship, I wasn't going to date. And um, halfway through that year, I met Levi. And we both liked each other, but I just loved so much that we didn't have the the pressure or the option or the wondering, is he going to ask me out? Are we going to go on a date? Like that just wasn't there because I had made that commitment and we were able to serve in youth ministry together. We were able to just have a foundation of a friendship that I'm honestly so thankful for. And I would recommend to anyone, not saying you have to like make a commitment to not date for a year or anything like that, but just focusing on a friendship first without the physicalness and without the romanticness um, is just really special. <laughs> Pineapple. You don't need a person in your life to give you worth. Um, girls, you don't need a guy to tell you that you're beautiful. Um, dads, do tell your daughters that they're beautiful and they're lovely. And dads, do tell your sons that they're strong and that they're brave. Um, but what I want to tell you is that you're loved by God. And I don't know if you've heard that in your life, but you're loved. And um, your worth is found in his design for you and his calling on your life and his love over you like a banner. You are loved. You are chosen. You are called. You are equipped. And if you hold on to that for your life, you won't fall for the lie that you need someone else to complete you. And on that note, you don't need someone to complete you. Jesus is that person. When you have Jesus, you have everything you need. If you're single and you're bummed out about it, the only thing worse than not being married is being married to the wrong person. If you're single and you're lonely, there are a lot of lonely married people, so don't settle for someone who's just there. Hold out for honor. Because when God's timing is right, he's going to lead you to the right person at the right time. And when you're, when you're busy doing what he's called you to do, you won't even notice, and all of a sudden, they'll be there. God is good. And even instead of complaining about um, the waiting, um, I would just encourage you to see the beauty in the waiting. Last week, we learned um, that seeds take time, and sometimes we're waiting, and I think sometimes we're in a place that we don't want to be, or we know that we won't be in forever. But I want to encourage you with is that you can make the season that you're in beautiful. Um, if you're feeling lonely in the field as you're serving Jesus, uh, you are in a special season where you can give your all and give your best to what God has called you to. Um, I would just say, love it, make it beautiful, work the field, don't play the field, become the me that you were born to be. Um, and maybe even in this time of in-betweens, um, you can plant a garden. And this leads me to my next point, becoming the one in the garden. Number two, in the garden. And I'm talking about becoming the one within marriage. Uh, we find the first marriage in the Garden of Eden where God brought the bride Eve to the groom, Adam. And in Genesis 2, we see this all played out. And it was the exact same thing as Isaac and Rebecca. Um, Adam and Eve didn't try to figure out uh, who the right one was. Um, they weren't even looking. And Adam and Eve were, well, Eve wasn't even alive yet. Adam was busy naming animals, doing the job that God called him to do. And all of a sudden, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. 
So I love that. God saw the need, and he brought the woman to the man. And something that is just a a picture in my mind, I think you could probably tell I'm a picture person, Um, but a vivid picture of my mind of marriage is a garden. And um, you've heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, the grass is greener where you water it. And I'd like to add, too, that the garden is growing and thriving and beautiful where you tend to it. Marriages often don't burn out. They rust out. It would be great if there was a class you could take or a pill you could swallow or a retreat you could go to that would lead to a healthy, strong relationship. But there isn't. You just have to be willing to keep showing up and giving it your all. A successful marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. If your marriage isn't working, it's probably because you aren't working at it. Marriage takes work. And I don't know if any of you are garden people, green thumb people, but a garden takes work. Um, Planting, weeding, sowing, picking, all these things. And you have to do it again. And again, it's not like you just do a garden and then it's good for the rest of its life. Like I, a couple summers ago, did this tiny little garden in our backyard and I am not very good at gardening, but it was so much work just for this little like two by four area that I created. Um, But you might be in a marriage that isn't green at all. And I just want to be sensitive. I know that there are a lot of relationship relationships represented across our church, but you might be in a marriage that isn't green. Maybe the garden of your marriage is full of weeds. Uh, Maybe everything is dead and there's no signs of any life. Um, And I just want to suggest to you, maybe you don't have a marriage problem. Maybe that you have a soul problem. And another thing is that you'll never be right with your mate until you're right with your maker. And I think just like we focus on being the right one before marriage, um, we must continue to have that heart and that perspective within the garden of marriage. We need to look within. We need to ask, ask ourselves the hard questions. How is my walk with Jesus? Am I becoming the wife or the husband that God is calling me to be? What's it even like to being to be married to me? And that's actually a book by Linda Dillow that I will recommend all the time because it's so good. As a, it's for women. Um, sorry, guys, you'll have to figure out your own book about that. But um, but this is amazing because it's the, the the title of the book is What's It Like Being Married to Me? That's first of all already a hard question. But then the subtitle is And Other Dangerous Questions. So. Read it if you dare, but it's so good. It's really, really good. But we need to be asking ourselves these questions because it's so easy to put it on our spouse, to put it on them and say, it's your fault, but we need to be looking within and seeing what God wants to do in our own hearts. Um, And we can't expect our spouse to complete us either. Um, It's funny because we'll say, oh, you complete me. And yes, we are one. Because when you're married, you become one with them. But we become one with our spouse after we're already satisfied and made whole in Jesus Christ. Because we can't go to our spouse expecting them to meet needs that only Jesus can. And so we have to look to our Savior. Um, if If your garden isn't green and full of life, your garden of marriage, you must go back to the first things first. Cultivate your love for Jesus 
Go back to the Bible and let his word set the pace for your life. Luke 10, 27 says, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's basic, super basic. Love God first. We have to get back to the basics and do first things first. Um, Start sowing those seeds that will grow into a fruitful, loving garden of marriage and see what God will do. He's faithful. Do you have a beautiful garden of marriage? Well, then you keep working at it. Don't get lazy. Don't just like kind of let go on the, the, the break and stop and stop tending to the weeds and the little things. Like you have to stay on it. You have to keep loving. You have to keep giving. You have to keep cherishing. Keep getting the little foxes that come in that don't seem like a big deal, but they will become a big deal in the future. Be faithful right where you are, which leads us to our final point looking at becoming the one, number three, in light of his return. Becoming the one in light of his return. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. 1 Thessalonians says, The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Let us be awake and sober. Like we just sang, our king is soon returning. And maybe in our lifetime, and maybe not, but we do know that it's closer than when we first believed. And when he comes, what will we be found doing? Who will we be found becoming? The Bible says that the church, that we are the bride of Christ, and God is purifying us and making us more like Jesus. We were born to become the one. And in this case, we're born to become the bride and to be found faithful in the light of his return. We are his bride and we are getting ready for that day when we're going to see him face to face. And I don't know about you, but this just fills me with so much joy and so much hope. We just recently had a wedding in our family and, um, just getting to see so many people who we know and love from all over the place, all together in one place. It was such a glimpse of heaven. And I love that so much that there's coming a day when we are gonna be reunited with everyone. We won't ever have to say goodbye. And we're gonna see Jesus face to face. And I love, this is the ultimate wedding because we're all gonna be gathered together. And I just love so much that this is who we are. This is who we are meant to become, the bride of Christ who will be brought to Jesus. So much hope in that. And this is the key for every single one of us, that we are to be found faithful. First Corinthians says, is it, it is required in stewards that they be found faithful. Faithful. 
wherever we're at in our lives right now, whatever season we're at right now, our heart should be to be found faithful. We must, re- we must remember that God sees us all the time, um, and he... He sees our hearts. He sees the good and the bad, but he wants faithfulness. He just desires faithfulness in our hearts. Um, in Luke 19, we see a picture of this, and it's a, a Jesus is actually telling this parable, this story. And it's the story of a man who um, owns this land, and he's going away on a trip, but before he goes away, he gives his servants um, money. And he gives them each the same amount, and he says, I do something with this. Like, and, and make, make more money. I want to see what you guys are going to do. So he gives them all this stuff, expecting, laying out the expectation that they were going to do something with it and make more and, um, and invest it. And so um, he goes away, and then he comes back. And he's so excited. You almost see as you're reading it, he's so excited. Like, oh my gosh, I wonder what they did. I'm so excited. I gave them this amount, but I wonder what they did with it. And he comes back, and the first servant... He made 10 times more than the original amount that the master gave him. And the master was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well done. You are so faithful with that. Good job. And then the next one, the next servant, made five times as much as the original amount. And the master was like, that's so amazing. Well done. You're so faithful. That's awesome. But then the third guy, all he had was the original amount the master gave him. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I just didn't think you would be like nice. And you were, I knew you were a hard man and you just like, whatever his excuse was. But the the master was actually really angry about that because here was this potential. Here was a potential. Even he said, you could have just put it in the bank and then you would have earned interest on it, but you did nothing with it. And God is looking for us, church, God is looking for us that we would be faithful in what he's given us. And it's not even necessarily how much he's given us. It's the fact that he wants us to be faithful with what he's given us. And he's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us resources. What are we doing with what God has given us? Are we going to be found faithful in light of his return, in light of his coming? And I love in Luke 18, it says, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And so I just want to encourage all of us this week at all of our campuses, how are we being faithful with what God has given us? And in the place of um, relationships, I know that some of us have difficult relationships and I I know that all of us have different pasts and different um, things that we struggle with in our lives, but I just want to tell you, even though we've messed up, and we all mess up, I have an amazing relationship with my husband. We mess up all the time, and we have hard moments, but God is in those moments, and we have to look to Jesus to complete us. And, um, and I just want to say for you who are hurting that I'm so sorry for the pain that you're experiencing, but I also believe that God can mend your broken heart in the midst of it. And it may not be an immediate thing that you see, but God loves you and he wants to mend your broken heart. And he has something for you in the midst of this. He can take your brokenness and he can make something beautiful. He can take your mess 
and he can make your heart clean in the midst of it. You are never, ever, ever too far from the hope and the restoration that God has for you, but that he wants for you. My husband ends Swipe Right by saying, you are not defined by your dysfunction, but by your deliverance. In God's economy, it doesn't matter where you begin, but whose hands you are in. Amen. And you can start now. You can start right now being busy in the field. You can start now watering the garden of your marriage. You can start now living faithfully to what God has called you to. And again, the results probably won't be immediate because you got to put in the hard work in order to start even seeing any signs of life or any signs of fruit. But keep watering. Keep being faithful. Keep doing the little things. Keep loving. Keep giving. Um, God's going to grow it into something gorgeous if you just give it to him and let him make something beautiful out of it. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for this moment in time. Thank you for your word that leads us and your word that guides us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that you even lay it out for us, that you want us to be found faithful, whether we're single, whether we're married, um, no matter what season of life we're in, you want us to be found faithful because you know that in in a place where there's faithfulness and love and hope that you can work miraculous things. So Lord, we trust you. I pray right now, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that you would shed light on our hearts that you would open our eyes to see the things that you've called us to do. You would open our eyes to see the work that you have specifically in us. We love you, God. Change our hearts, God. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for this teaching from the Swipe Right series. And if during that message you made a decision to give your life to Christ, we just want to say congratulations. And if you go to freshlife.church, you can go up and click the Know God tab Fill out the information there, and we would love to send you some resources that's got a Bible and some other stuff in it just to kind of help you in these next steps in that relationship. And if your life has been impacted in any way through Fresh Life, we would love to hear about it. So on that No God tab, just click the Share Your Story link. Let us know what's been going on, and those stories are like jet fuel for our team here and for the Fresh Life family. If God has worked in your life through Fresh Life and you want to partner with us financially, all you have to do is click the Give tab and you can fill out the information there and either set up recurring giving or uh, just give a one-time gift. Thank you so much for joining us for this message and we will see you next week.